Today, we're going to talk about the COVID vaccine rollout and general questions about the vaccine, since everything is so confusing. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Just Now Science Podcast. Each episode, we debunk ridiculous yet common science misconceptions we find online and get just a little salty about them. I'm your favorite science teacher, Lauren. And I'm your personal neuroscientist, Nick. I feel like I never say that anymore, so people are going to forget I'm a neuroscientist. Yeah. Before we get started, you probably know I'm a nerd, but did you know that I started a Pokemon YouTube channel? We do video game playthroughs, pack openings, TCG builds, and more, so definitely check it out. Link in the episode description. So we want to definitely focus on some COVID updates. So right now in the U.S., we're approaching 28 million cases with total virus deaths nearing half a million. Worldwide, there have been 2.3 million deaths, um, but new daily cases are on average declining with around 110,000 new cases each day. Wow, I never thought I'd say that in the same sentence. That's (laughs) a declining number. Yeah, I know. And this is at the time of recording, which is February 6th, 2021. I don't know why I almost said 2011. That would be real wild. (laughs) Uh, We did recently report on a COVID variant that began in the UK. When we first talked about it, we said that it wasn't any more severe uh, than the original, just a little bit more contagious. But newer data from the UK reports uh, suggest that there is a, quote, realistic probability that the new strain is more severe. The CDC is reviewing this report. There's also some data to suggest the newer variant may cause reinfections, but that's still uncertain. As we find more updates, we'll be sure to let you know on social or in future episodes. I just want to say, (laughs) the way January went and everything, I always think of that meme, because it's like, oh, 2020 is over, 2021 is going to be better, like... And I always think of that meme where it's like the Joker from Batman showing it around and they're like showing 2021 around the new office. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) I haven't seen that one. I love it. Would you get that off Pinterest? Shut up. (laughs) Uh, As a brief reminder, the coronavirus vaccines that have been approved should work against the newest strains as reported by the manufacturers and other independent reports. But the goal of this episode is mainly to talk about the vaccine. Not so much how it works, we covered that in a previous episode, um, but more about the rollout of the vaccine, what to expect when you get vaccinated, and what could happen if your vaccine appointment is canceled. All right, so on to vaccine-related stuff. We can start with vaccine safety. The British Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency has said that there have been two incidents of anaphylaxis and one instance of a possible allergic reaction since they started vaccinating people. And if you're wondering what the difference between anaphylaxis and an allergic reaction is, basically anaphylaxis is just a major allergic reaction, right? It's a severe allergic reaction that involves more than one system of the body. And for the safety of those who get the vaccine, you're supposed to wait at the facility for 15 to 30 minutes after receiving the injection to ensure that there is no such reaction. I know I had a mandated 15 minute wait period after my first dose. So most of the time, symptoms of a reaction will appear within 30 minutes of your dose. The chief executive of the Medicines and Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency said that, quote, Any person with a history of anaphylaxis to a vaccine, medicine, or food should not receive the Pfizer vaccine, end quote. 
It should be known that most people won't have a reaction to the vaccine, but if you have had one in the past, you should absolutely consult with your doctor before getting any vaccines, not just the coronavirus vaccine. And I do feel like, so I let Lauren choose like which parts of the notes that like she wants to talk about. And I feel like she gave me the sections that say British Medicines Healthcare Products Regulatory Agency because I think she'll mess that up. And she knows it and I know it. And that's why she gave those to me. Um, okay, well, when I was breaking up the notes, I didn't think of that. But judging on how I'm doing so far this episode, I think it was a wise choice. <laughs> but I'm sure as we, we, you know, we've mentioned this in the past, but, you know, common side effects of the coronavirus vaccine, as are with many vaccines, you know, you get a sore arm at the injection site, headache, possibly chills, fatigue, fever, weakness, um, aching muscles and dizziness. But they'll usually resolve on their own in a couple of days. I know I had a, a sore shoulder, and after two days it was fine. But man, you could not touch that shoulder for two days. You really couldn't, because God forbid I bumped into her or tried to like cuddle with her. It was just met with fire and fury. <laughs> um, but as always, and with anything, you should definitely talk to your doctor if the side effects get worse, um, are worrying you, or are not getting better after a few days. But what about pregnant women? Mm-hmm. Why, why do you say it like that? <laughs> I really wish you didn't do that. <laughs> pregnant women at the moment, quote, may choose to be vaccinated, according to the CDC. Super vague. Which isn't particularly helpful guidance. Like, anybody can choose to be vaccinated. You so. could also choose to run through traffic, but don't right. suggest that either. Many research trials put being pregnant or planning to be pregnant during the course of the study as an exclusion criteria, which means if you're pregnant or if you are going to be pregnant or trying to get pregnant, you can't enroll in the study. And unless obviously it's a maternity or you know pregnancy study, but for the most part for standard drug trials, they don't want pregnant women in the study because they don't know if the drug will pass through the placenta or there's a, there's a bunch of things. And also just the, the sheer altered state that a woman is in biologically and physiologically when she's pregnant could skew data and it could pose some potential risk. So these COVID vaccines, uh, the COVID vaccine trials rather, aren't any different. Uh, I do talk more about pregnant women in our, like we do a blog post for every podcast episode and we put it up on the website. So I talk more about the issues that pregnant women have or, or will be facing with clinical trials a little bit more on the website. So if you want, go check that out. Uh, there is a link in the episode description, but basically guidance at the moment is to take it on a case by case basis. It's up to you and your healthcare provider to decide if it's right for you. And I do feel like a drug commercial <laughs> spokesperson. If you're pregnant or planning to become pregnant, talk with your doctor to see if the coronavirus vaccine is right for you. <laughs> that is literally the exact line at the end of every drug I, I know. I have it verbatim. I've heard it so many times. And there's, there's also people out there who are concerned about animal byproducts and alcohol in the vaccine for personal and religious reasons. Um, but the BBC reports that the COVID vaccines from Pfizer, Moderna, and AstraZeneca do not contain any animal products and that the British Islamic Medical Association says that there is minimal amounts of alcohol, about as much as bread. So now, if you see someone eating bread who claims they can't get the vaccine because of religious reasons, you're legally allowed to slap the bread right out their hands. <laughs> um, but I think... <laughs> so ridiculous. 
I think one of the biggest issues though with uh, the COVID vaccine, aside from the actual rollout of the vaccine, which has been um, a train wreck, is trying to discern medical events that occur temporarily close to the uh, vaccination from those related to the vaccine. So what does that mean? You know, people have medical emergencies and get sick all the time. Um, You know, they get sick or injured in some capacity and there's temptation to relate that separate event or medical emergency to um, being caused by the vaccine, right? And I get that. The vaccine is something new. People are curious about it. They want to make sure it's safe. So there is there is temptation to every time something happens with someone who got the vaccine to be like, oh, the vaccine did it. Oh, the vaccine did it. So, it, you know, you got to be careful about that. In doing research for this episode, I came across an example from a medical website called Stat News. They stated that many heart attacks occur in the morning, but we don't blame the heart attacks on breakfast. Except if you're eating a pound of bacon every day, then maybe you can blame it on breakfast. But <laughs> that's not the point. The point is that temporal relationships need to be examined and investigated before attributing cause. And this is something that is done in pharmaceutical studies and in drug trials. Whenever there's an adverse event, uh, which is any side effect, whether it's something as simple as uh, you know soreness at the injection site or a headache that goes away after a day to a person having really low platelet counts and ending up in the emergency room and something crazy all these events are examined to see if they're caused by the vaccine or whatever drug treatment you're getting so it's not just this happened and all of a sudden it's related to whatever trial you're on these things some people just have medical emergencies like lauren said so they they are studied and investigated pretty thoroughly through um in clinical trials and it's not just the pharmaceutical companies obviously there's people who are going to say that pharmaceutical companies are just going to say no of course it's not attributed to our product because they want to sell their product but it's the pharmaceutical companies there are independent data uh data monitoring safety boards and the individual physician who is overseeing these patients all have a say in how they feel if the the drug is related um, or the, the vaccine is related to whatever medical problems a person has. So. Right. And just like as an example, earlier in January, I saw, you know, an article shared on Facebook by some people who I know to be very skeptical of science. And it was something along the lines of like de- death of a healthy doctor two weeks after COVID vaccine sparks investigation. Like he could have been hit by a bus for Christ's sakes. You know, like it was a very vague headline. And all it does is like induce fear on the vaccine and people so it's tempting to look for patterns and connections to something new like i said before um, especially for a vaccine even when there aren't any and now you know i'm not saying that what happened to this doctor wasn't necessarily attributed to the vaccine right the investigation is still ongoing but as far as i know it's clickbait you know to have headlines like that it's really just clickbait but all it does is erodes the public's trust in science it makes people weary of the vaccine and just causes more issues you have to remember correlation doesn't necessarily mean causation just because somebody passed away close to getting the vaccine doesn't mean there was cause there you know that's like being like did you hear kelly was cheated on by brian two weeks after she got the vaccine i'm not getting it now oh my god apparently the vaccine makes you like <laughs> it causes infidelity yes oh my god this is groundbreaking you could say that about anything you could say you had a heart attack and died two weeks after eating chipotle you know we use that example yeah you can attribute correlation to anything it doesn't mean the cause is there 
We do challenge testing all the time in research. There's a few ways to do it, but one common way is to have two groups, one with the drug and one without. Monitor for any differences. Take the drug away from the group who is getting it and see if they return to their baseline, meaning what they were like before they got the drug. Then when you give the drug again, do you observe the same differences as before? We want to be certain about attributing cause to a vaccine. So just because, like Lauren said, you see a headline that says doctor dies two weeks after getting COVID vaccine doesn't mean the COVID vaccine had anything to do with it. I can get the vaccine and then fall off a cliff. Did the vaccine have anything to do with it? We don't know yet. In reality, the doctor we're talking about died from an extreme cause of acute thrombocytopenia, which is where the blood is unable to clot because the platelet count is too low. It's still unknown if his death was related to the vaccine. Medical experts are kind of torn on this one. Some mm -hmm. are saying it's not related and others claiming it is, though there does seem to be an agreement that this is extremely rare and an unusual case. My uncle actually had this a uh, couple years back. Thrombocytopenia? Yeah. Oh. Yeah, so I, when I saw this article, I reached out to my cousin. I said, you know, did they ever figure out like why that happened they said they still have no idea they thought maybe it's just like a random like vi reaction to a virus or something and i feel like they always say when they can't figure something out the doctors always like must be a virus i don't know <laughs> i feel like i always got that as a kid um but yeah he had like that prickly look on his skin that looks like little red dots all oh, like, over like the pinpoint hemorrhaging yeah so then they went to the hospital and got a check down and he was extremely low on his platelet count so and this was way before COVID was a thing. So who knows? Hmm, interesting. Yeah. One question I've seen a lot is regarding the time of the vaccine's first and second dose. Remember, both Moderna and Pfizer require uh, two separate injections. So when we say the vaccine, we're talking about collectively COVID vaccines from Moderna and Pfizer. According to the CDC, you should get the vaccines as close to the recommended interval as possible, which is three weeks for Pfizer and four weeks for Moderna. You can get the second dose anytime after the, the initial waiting period, but you shouldn't get it sooner. So let's just say you get the Pfizer vaccine on January 1st. Anytime after January 21st is good, but not before that. So three weeks. Right. So according to the CDC right now, the second dose of Pfizer and Moderna vaccines may be scheduled for administration up to six weeks or 42 days after the first dose. So there's currently limited data on the efficacy of the mRNA COVID vaccines administered beyond this window. Um, if the second dose is administered beyond these intervals, though, they do say there is no need to restart the series. I, I, we don't really know why they made that statement. I have a guess, and it's because the Moderna vaccine uh, is about 80 to 90 percent effective on the first dose mm -hmm. and the second dose brings it to about 95 percent effective so even if you don't get the second dose for eight weeks or nine weeks or something ridiculous right maybe your appointment was canceled or something right there's still a good chance that you'll have exceptional um immunity, immunity yeah. for a vaccine i mean hell some flu vaccines are like 30 percent effective right. so, so i still take the 80 <laughs> so to get 80 to 90 percent effective with two doses is still pretty good right. the pfizer vaccine's a little different the first dose for the pfizer vaccine is about 50 to 60 percent effective with the second dose bringing it to 90 percent effective 95 percent effective right. so that is a huge jump and is definitely worth getting the second uh, right. dose. Right, well, for both, I definitely suggest you want to try to follow uh, that schedule course, and course. get both doses as close to the recommended interval time as possible. But 
as we're going to talk about in a little bit, you know, there have been a massive amount of second dose appointment cancellations here in New York City. So people are kind of wondering, well, what do I do now if I'm not in that time frame? So CDC says just keep trucking along and try to get that second dose as soon as possible. Um, but also, punch, punch an old lady if you have to. <laughs> do it. Steal her identity. I don't have all the answers. Um, but I also saw the CDC mentioned this and I figured well if they mentioned it it had to be enough like concern for them to be like hey don't treat these two different vaccines like Pfizer and Moderna as interchangeable you know like don't get the Pfizer first dose and then the Moderna second dose can't do that yeah I, I just want to know what caused them to have to say this um there's definitely no no safety testing on on doing this so you don't want to just go ahead and start mixing these products together we did have a question submitted to us by our friends at time for your hobby podcast who asked what do we think the future of vaccines will look like? Will they all be mRNA or will older methods still be used? Good question. That's exactly what I told him on Twitter. I think we'll still see both. Mm -hmm. We already have really effective vaccines for things like measles and polios that are not mRNA based. Uh, but for new vaccines, it's hard to say. I know in Europe, mRNA vaccines are being used for things like cancer and Ebola. So there definitely is a lot of interest in mRNA vaccines. One of the big advantages of mRNA vaccines is how quickly we can develop them because of how fast we can do genetic sequencing and get that kind of genetic information from bacteria or viruses. So when possible, probably. Yeah, I do think when possible, pharmaceutical companies will probably opt for those mRNA vaccines. Um, also because it doesn't require using a vaccine that injects the actual virus. So um, with the mRNA vaccine, and this was also on the CDC website too, they said even though there's really not a lot of data on it, they do say that people with HIV or autoimmune disorders can receive the coronavirus vaccines because they are mRNA and they don't have the virus in them, um, and which is great for these people. They don't, they don't have to depend on the population for herd immunity. You know, especially I think right now, people being a little like hesitant about the vaccine, herd immunity is going to take a very long time to accomplish. So it really sucks for people in that position. Um, so this way they can take kind of control themselves a little bit and decide if they want to get it for themselves after talking with their doctors. And one last thing about whether I think mRNA vaccines will be the future, the speed at which they can be produced will make it go from bench to market much faster. Now, obviously, we won't see another vaccine enter the market this quickly like we did with the Moderna and Pfizer vaccines. Operation Warp Seed was a success in getting a vaccine available to the public, though actually giving it to the public has been mm, a nightmare. <laughs> so, I mean, if you haven't been following the vaccine news, the process of getting people vaccinated en masse has been really troublesome. Um, but the goal set up by the Trump administration was to vaccinate 20 million people in December 2020. 14 million doses of the Pfizer and Moderna vaccines were sent out, but less than 5 million people were actually vaccinated, which means that we missed the mark by over 75%. I know that state and local governments aren't the most efficient, but by God, that was abysmal. Um, so why has it been so poor? It mostly has to do, once again, with the federal government leaving it up to the states, which means different states have different policies. Don't get me wrong, there are a ton of logistical challenges like keeping all these doses at the proper temperature during transport and storage. However, logistic experts have been critical of the initial vaccine rollout attempt, saying that federal officials left the hardest part of any vaccine campaign 
to hospitals that are already stretched thin. Mm. They fail to account for things like scheduling and the holiday season. People are on vacation or taking off or, or whatever. And the hospital staff is already overflowing with COVID patients, which means right. staff is taking care of them and their normal patient loads. And so that add this on top of them is crazy. Government officials we're hoping that the process will speed up now that pharmacies are beginning to administer the vaccine, but the process is far from perfect. In New York City right now, 23,000 vaccine appointments have been canceled. At the moment, teachers, healthcare workers, and other vulnerable populations are eligible for the vaccine um, if you are part of Group 1B. One of my biggest concerns are issues like the inability to get appointments, long lines and cancellations, and honestly just straight up confusion that will dissuade people from getting the vaccine. I really don't want to see tons of people who are already hesitant about the safety and efficacy. I mean, efficacy has been shown, but people are concerned about the safety because of how fast we went through these clinical trials. And then even when they decide, then you know what, I'm gonna get it, they can't, and then just right. be like, see, this is why we don't listen to the government and stuff, and even though, whatever. This right, the obstacles can definitely be dissuading, but like maybe the exclusivity of it will make people want it more, you know, like waiting in line at like a new club opening or something. I don't know if that's the case. <laughs> that is an extremely optimistic take. Well, yeah, I, I'm not gonna, 2020's taught me not to be, <laughs> not to use that take. So yeah, you're right, it's fucked. Did you hear in Philly, their vaccine rollout has been especially a nightmare because they left it up to a bunch of college kids to figure out the logistics? Oh, my God. All it was, right. That's it was a gonna... startup run by college kids. Okay, that's that's going to do it for us today. <laughs> that's, that's where we end. If you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe, leave a review, and especially share it. It takes literal seconds to hit subscribe and click the five-star review button, and it would mean a whole lot to us. Positive ratings and shares on social media are the biggest ways you can help us spread this good, good science to even more people. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at JustNASScience. You can also visit our website, JustNASScience.com, where you can watch YouTube videos, read blog posts, or submit questions and suggest topics for future episodes. And don't forget, we put out new episodes every Tuesday. As always, thanks for listening. Later, you nerd. Later, Gators. <laughs>